All right, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Business Blast podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Tyler Wagner. As always, today's sponsor is Authors Unite. And if you want to become a successful author, Authors Unite is the place to go. So head on over to AuthorsUnite.com to check out a free case study that will teach you how to do exactly that. And now, let's jump into the episode. All right, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Business Blast podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Wagner. Today, I have Ryan Lebeck with us. He is the Inc. 500 CEO of the Ask Method Company and the number one national best-selling author of Ask, which was named by Inc. as the number one marketing book of the year. His work has been featured in the Wall Street Journal, USA Today, Forbes, and Entrepreneur, and over 250,000 entrepreneurs subscribe to his email newsletter offering business advice. He is also a co-founder and investor in Bucket.io, a leading marketing funnel software for entrepreneurs. His latest book, Choose, helps readers avoid making the single biggest mistake when starting a business and guides people through answering the all-important question, what type of business should you start? So welcome to the show, man. Hey, Tyler. It's awesome to be here. Really grateful and excited to be chatting with you. Of course, man. Grateful to have you on and I'm excited to dive into these questions. So the first one I got for you, Ryan, is tell us uh, how you got started. How, how did all this begin? Yeah, man. You know, um, when I first got started, my my goals were pretty modest. I was working a corporate job. Um, I was uh, um, kind of exhausted. I was uh, living at a hotels. I was on a plane every single week. Uh, my wife and I had been married for a few years. Um, she decided to pursue a graduate degree. And so we ended up being in two different cities. Um, I was in Shanghai, China. She was in Hong Kong. And we'd see each other like every couple weeks. And I was just burnt out. Um, and a friend of mine came to visit. And he was telling me about how he had started this business. He was making money on the internet. And it was a world that I didn't know at all. Um, and I remember my goal when I first got uh, started in this world. I said, if I could make $10,000 a month, like if I can make $10,000 a month, that's like, you know, who would ever want to work anymore? Like $10,000 a yeah. month, <laughs> passive income, like a business on, you know, that you're building. So that was like my big goal. Um, and, um, you know, uh, it was in 2007, 2008, 2008, I, I decided to quit my job, launched our first business. Um, uh, that business failed. We almost ran out of savings. Um, and then the second oh. business I launched uh, went from zero to $25,000 in 18 months. Next business, we grew to over half a million dollars a year. Um, started 23 different um, uh, markets over the past 10 years. And then last year, we just um, you know, passed $10 million uh, in our business and landed on the Inc. 500 list of the fastest growing companies in America. So um, you know, came in very small, modest goals. And um, you know, sometimes I just got to pinch myself and say, like, you know, I can't believe that it's been uh, the ride that we've been on. Yeah, dude, that is awesome. I love that story right there because it just shows you like, dude, 100% did not happen overnight. It took you, what are we in, 2019 now? Yep. It yep. took a, a while, man. And like, what was it, the second, you said the second business in a year did 25000 Yeah, just it was? about a year and a half. It did $25,000 yeah. a month and then um, we grew it to a little over half a million dollars a year. Um, and that's Got that's kind of when my, my wife... Um, decided to quit her job and uh, and uh, we kind of did this, this this became our full-time thing. Got it, yeah. that's awesome, man. Um, so my next one for you is, what's the uh, single biggest mistake people make before starting uh, their business? 
Yeah, you know, so um, you talked about my first book, Ask, and um, in uh, 2015, released the book, Ask, and it was a book that shared the methodology that we use to enter those 23 different markets, you know, that first business, second business, so on and so forth. And uh, when you write a book like that, and it became, you know, number one national bestseller, it's published in all these different languages, it's sold hundreds of thousands of copies worldwide. And, you know, it's great when you publish a book is you get a lot of great, um, you know, emails and letters and Facebook messages from people who say, your book changed my life. But you also get messages from people who say, Ryan, I followed exactly what you teach in the book and it didn't work for me. What's up? Mm. And uh, as I got letters like that and emails and messages, it really started bugging me. It frustrated me. I said, well, what did I miss, right? Because this process worked for me. It's worked for my clients. It's worked for my students. What did I miss? And I realized that, uh, and it started off, it kicked off what became a three-year research project, really the biggest research project of my entire life, where I was trying to look at what was it that was causing these people to fail? What was it that was separating people who read the book, like guys like Jamal, who went from $17 an hour working at a nonprofit to making half a million dollars in his business the first year. Charlie, a guy who was teaching guitar lessons online that using what he learned from the book, uh, built a $2.5 million a year business. Guys like that, it was like awesome. What separated them from uh, the men and women who, uh, who failed? And um, what I found, Tyler, is it all came down to one thing. It all came down to one big mistake people were making before starting their business, uh, and that's this. All the conventional wisdom out there is all focused on asking the question, what? What should you build? What should you sell? What should you create? But the reality is you actually want to start by asking a different sort of question altogether. You want to start mm. by asking who? Who should you serve? Who is your market? Who is your niche? And I realized that in writing Ask, what I didn't share, I shared how I successfully entered these 23 different markets, but what I didn't teach was how I chose those 23 markets in the first place, the methodology that I used. And so I decided to write the second book, Choose, um, which you had mentioned, mm -hmm. which is all about how to make the single most important decision before starting your business, which is how to choose the right market. Got it. All right. So, well, I think you kind of, uh, you answered my next one then. So like, unless you want to elaborate. So why did you decide to write the book? Is that pretty much the answer? Because, you know, you, you had to help those people with that first step that you kind of missed in the first one? Yeah. You know, it's, there's this, um, there's this metaphor that I share in the book. And what I realized um, is that it's sort of like this. I saw people that were following the ask method to the letter and they were still failing. Yeah. And you know, there's this metaphor that I use, I think it's really helpful, and it's this. It's when you start a business, starting a business is like throwing your uh, boat in a river um, and expecting that the river is gonna take you to where you wanna go. So if you wanna make $10,000 a month, whatever your goals are, the impact that you wanna have, the lifestyle that you wanna leave, the freedom that you want your business to give you, um, you know, starting a business is like throwing your raft in the river and having that river take you to where you wanna go. Now, you mm -hmm. can have the best raft money can buy, you can buy the best equipment. You could bring your friends in and hire the best crew. Um, you could paddle 18 hours a day and bust your butt. <laughs> but if the raft is facing the wrong direction, you're never gonna yeah. get to where you wanna go. Or if you put your raft in a river that has no water on it, it doesn't matter how hard you're rowing that thing. You're not gonna get to where you wanna go. And so what I realized with Choose, with this book, is I wanted to teach people how to find the perfect river for you. The river that's just right. The river that's not too small, not too big. 
the hidden river that has just the right circumstances and characteristics to propel you forward, to give you momentum in your business, to have that current at your back to take you to that destination that you want to land on um, in building your business. And so um, the book really guides people through that journey of how to choose that right river. Got it, yeah, and that's that'll save people a lot of time for sure, because I think, especially in the beginning, you like pretty much a lot of people just start a business and they don't really have a clear defining uh, point where they're headed, right? So um, if they you know read this first, that would definitely help uh, with navigating that. So now obviously the book's not for every single person unless right. you tell me otherwise. So who is the book for? Who, who would you say the, the book is for? Yeah, you know, in the um, you know, uh, in the beginning of the book, I have a, a dedication, and uh, the dedication really articulates uh, who the book is for. And so, you know, I'll actually just read it just to to give you a sense. So, I wrote, you know, if you've ever had the crazy dream to start your own business, if you've ever dreamed of doing your own thing, if you've ever failed or lost it all on something in a quest to shake the status quo, if you have something right now that is changing the world but you don't know where to take it next, or if you're simply trying to figure out what you want to do and who you want to be when you grow up, this is the book I wish someone had written when I was where you are right now. In short, this book right here is for you. Mm. So this book is really for anybody who has dreamed of doing their own thing, starting their own business, you know, trying to figure out what you want to, what you want to be when you grow up, knowing that what you're doing right now isn't that thing. Um, whether that means um, starting a side hustle um, while you're working a full-time job, whether it means pivoting your existing business in a different direction because you're not getting the satisfaction and the results that you're looking to get in your existing business, or if you're just looking to dive all in. You're saying, you know what? I wanna start my first business. I've never done this before, but I wanna go all in. I know this is what I wanna do, and um, I wanna uh, um, you know, I want to make this my thing. Absolutely. So, so you teach something in the book uh, that you describe as the five market must-haves. So, yep. can you explain like what those are? Yeah. You know. So, um, you know, the research that I mentioned, the three-year research project. Uh, I was really inspired by the work of Jim Collins. So, if you're familiar with Jim Collins' work, he wrote, you know, the, he read the uh, wrote the book Good to Great and Great by Choice mm -hmm. and Built to Last and that whole series of books. And and what's uh, the hallmark of his approach is that he studies. Uh, the most iconic companies in the world and looks at the factors that separate the companies that go on to have longevity and, and long-lasting success and those that kind of fizzle out or uh, disappear. And he's identified these different factors. And, and I was inspired by that work. And what I started to do was look at every single one of the markets and businesses that I had started over the last decade plus and started looking at, well, what were the things that separated the ones that were wildly successful from those that failed? I then extended that research to the clients that I've worked with over the past decade plus and the students that I've worked with over that time. And what I found was that there were five characteristics when it comes to choosing the right market that separated the winning businesses from those who failed. And every single winning business checked off all five of these boxes and every single business that failed or struggled was missing one of these ingredients. So. Uh, we coined the phrase, we, we called these things the five market must-haves. And so uh, the five market must-haves are as follows. So number one, first thing that you want to be looking for when starting your business is going into a market that is evergreen. What that means is you want a market that is relevant, was relevant 10 years ago, is relevant, is going to be relevant 10 years from now, and ideally 100 years from now. 
Now, I learned this lesson myself. I mentioned the first business I started failed. First business, uh, um, started it in the most random of niches. Um, built a business <laughs> teaching people how to make jewelry using Scrabble tiles from the game and <laughs> origami paper. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's the Scrabble tile jewelry. You can look it up. It's a thing. Um, it was okay. a craze back in like 2007. Um, my wife came across it on the website Etsy.com, which is like a brand new site at the time. And I remember she she approached me and said, hey, Ryan, we're trying to figure out what business to start. I had no idea. She knew I wanted to start a business and I was kind of stuck. I didn't know what type of business to start. Um, I was, you know, would I teach people, I'd start a business teaching Chinese to, to foreigners living in China, right? Um, would we start up a cupcake shop? Would we open up a McDonald's franchise, an import-export company? I mean, I was all over the map. And so she said, you know, there's this thing on Etsy. It's this jewelry that uses Scrabble tiles and origami paper. And she said, listen, we're in China. We have access to all this origami paper. We have access to all this inexpensive labor. We can set up a little factory in Southern China, manufacture the jewelry and import it into the United States. And I, and I you know, quickly dismissed the idea, Tyler, because I was like, no way, I don't want to, I don't be tied to a factory. Like, you know, I want to be able to travel. I want to be able to, you know, have a, you know, location independent life. And so we dismissed it. And then a few weeks later, she comes back to me um, talking about this jewelry again. And I was like, honey, I thought we said we're not gonna do it. She said, no, 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 time out, time out. Take a look at this woman. There's this woman on Etsy and look at what she's selling. She's not selling the jewelry. She's teaching people how to make the jewelry. She has a digital PDF tutorial. Now, the cool thing about Etsy is that you can look at a person's shop and you can see exactly what their sales history is every single day. So you could see how many units of this thing she's selling today, yesterday, the day before. And we went back and we looked, we're like, oh my gosh, she's making like, she's selling like 20 to 30 copies of this tutorial that she's selling for like 20, 30 bucks. We did the math and we're like, she's making like 15 grand a month selling this simple little tutorial with no expenses, just a digital PDF. And we're like, this is crazy. We bought the thing, it wasn't very good. Um, <laughs> we created a better guide. My wife learned how to make the jewelry. We did the photographs, you know, she got all the supplies and everything like that. Started selling the guide, made $1,000 a month, $2,000 a month, $5,000 a month, $9,000 a month. We're like, we're gonna be rich. This is, this is like, you know, we're gonna get rich, this is amazing. Um, and I learned the lesson of the importance of going into an evergreen market when the, we're gonna laugh, the worldwide Scrabble tile jewelry market crashed. Literally, the website <laughs> Etsy was flooded with suppliers. Everybody started making the jewelry, so there's nobody left to buy the jewelry. When people stopped buying the jewelry, nobody was buying the guides on how to make the jewelry, and then it just became a thing that crashed. It was like, you know, Pokemon or uh, fidget spinners. It was like just one of these things that was like a craze, and then it disappeared. And I learned in that business the importance of uh, going into an evergreen market. Now that business went to nothing. We had run through our savings at this point. My wife and I look at each other. Uh, I'd quit my job. Um, she was a, a, a PhD student, so she was in grad school. She wasn't making any money. We just kind of looked at each other and we said, all right, now what? Um, and uh, we decided to, um, she decided to get a job back in the States. She finished her PhD program, uh, got a job back in the States, making $36,000 a year as a museum curator, moved to Brownsville, mm-hmm. Texas, uh, right on the border between Mexico and Texas. And um, we launched our next business, which was in a market that is the longest lasting hobby in, uh, it's the oldest hobby in America. And that hobby is gardening. 
I learned the importance of going into a market that would never disappear. People have been gardening for hundreds of years. Chances are in some way, shape or form, they're gonna be gardening in some way, shape or form for the next hundred years. So um, that first market must have is you wanna go into a business, and that business, by the way, is the one that I took from nothing to $25,000 a month um, and over yeah. half a million dollars a year. Um, so, and I tell the story of that business in the book. So first market must have, gotta be evergreen. Second market must have is it's gotta be an enthusiast market. What that means is in contrast with a problem solution market, problem solution market is a market where you come in, you wanna solve a problem and you never wanna think about the thing ever again. So a perfect example is like uh, water damage in your basement, right? So you know you get water damage in your basement, you call up one of those companies, they clean the whole thing up and that's it. You never wanna think about that thing for the rest of your life. You're not signing up for any email newsletters about water damage tips. Uh, you're not uh, joining any Facebook <laughs> groups. You're not joining any clubs. Um, you're not joining any masterminds. You're not going to any live events, right, about um, you know a basement flooding. Um, it's done. You never wanna deal with it again. Versus an enthusiast market is a market um, that people tend to be consumers in for years and oftentimes decades. Great example of that is like the dog market. So if you've got a dog or you know someone has a dog, right? People have dogs, they typically you know, live 10, 15, 20 years. Um, and in the life cycle of owning a dog, um, you buy all sorts of crazy things, right? You, you have a puppy, you buy you know, potty training stuff, you buy a crate, you buy dog bowl, dog food, all this stuff, dog collars, leash, harness, and then it's doggy toys, then it's obedience training, then it's pet insurance, then it's doggy Christmas ornaments and doggy rugs and t-shirts and all <laughs> sorts of doggy vacations and all sorts of crazy things. People spend uh, a ton of money in that market and the key is this, you want a market where you can sell more than one thing to the same consumer, as opposed to a market where you constantly have to chase after a new customer to get another sale. And so that's the yeah. second market must have is you want an enthusiast market. Third market must have is it's not enough to be in an evergreen and an enthusiast market. You wanna specifically solve an urgent problem in the context of that enthusiast market. What that means is if you wanna go in the dog market, you can't go in and sell uh, doggy mugs as like the main thing that you're selling. Why? Because people don't wake up in the morning and say, honey, like we need to get a doggy <laughs> mug like today. Like, you know, what you <laughs> yeah. wanna find is the urgent problem. The thing that people say, enough is enough. We gotta solve this thing right now. So an example in the dog market would be uh, potty training your puppy, right? You get a new mm -hmm. puppy, love the thing, comes home, but there's a problem. The dog won't stop peeing on the rug, pees on the rug, pees on the clothes, pees on the, on the sofa, pees on the pillows, pees everywhere, right? At some point you say, enough is enough, we've gotta do something about it. And the key is when you find that urgent problem, people lose price sensitivity. People don't mm -hmm. shop around for weeks and weeks trying to find the best discount or the best deal. They, what they do is they say enough is enough, they go online and they buy a solution to that product, to that problem, and that's what you're looking for. Um, so urgent problem. Fourth thing, fourth market must have, is you also wanna find future problems. And what that means is you wanna find a market where once you solve the first problem in that market and you become that trusted advisor to that person, the success that they have leads to a new problem. I'll give you an example. So, you know, in the market that you serve, right? If you think about your listeners, think about, you know, entrepreneurs yeah. or people who wanna start a business. Um, first problem that they need to solve is like the one we're talking about now. What business are you gonna start? Someone figures out what type yeah. of business they're gonna start, that's all right, all right, what's the next thing? Well, you gotta figure out what to sell, figure out what they want in that market. So you solve that problem. Then you start selling something, you start making money, that's great. 
But then the next problem is you're doing all the work yourself. You're making money, but you need help. <laughs> How do you hire your first employee? So every level of success mm. leads to a new problem. And when you solve that first problem for someone, you can become their trusted advisor for life. Where they say, all right, Tyler, you've helped me with this thing. What do I do next for this next thing? So that's the fourth thing is future problems. Now the fifth and final one, and I've, I've made every single one of these mistakes, by the way, myself. Um, the fifth yeah. and final one is looking for a market that's filled with what are called PWMs. PWMs, I don't know if you're familiar with the term, it's a phrase that I learned from mm. the late, great Gary Halbert, one of the greatest uh, uh, direct response copywriters of all time. Um, and he had this phrase that he used, and he said PWMs. PWM stands for players with money. You're looking specifically for a market where people spend a disproportionate amount of their income in that area of their life. It doesn't necessarily mean that you're looking to sell to billionaires and multimillionaires. You're just looking for a market where people pour a higher percentage of their income into that uh, aspect of their life. So the classic example is the golf market. If you know any golfers, golfers are obsessive. They spend uh, absurd amounts of money on equipment, on green fees, on uh, golf instruction, on golf vacations, uh, once in a lifetime trips around the world, golf cruises for $100,000 to the most iconic courses around the British Isles. I mean, the amount of money people spend on this game is incredible. And that's what you're mm. looking for. You're looking for evidence of PWMs uh, in your market. A big mistake people make is they wanna, they wanna change the world, they wanna have an impact, but you can't sell to people who are broke. You just can't. If people don't have enough money to put food on the table and pay their rent, how are they ever gonna pay for the product that you're thinking about selling? So those are the five market must-haves. You want evergreen, enthusiast, urgent problem, future problems, and PWMs. Yeah, that was top answer right there, man. That was incredible. <laughs> Just laid some bombs, man. That was sick. Um, I love it. Thank you for sharing that. Totally. Um, so the next one I got for you is uh, what are some other mistakes people make uh, when choosing a market? Yeah. So we talked about the five market must-haves. And there, there, there are a number of mistakes I, I, I talk about in the book. Every single one of these mistakes I've made myself. Um, but there are two big ones that I'll, that I'll talk about here today. And so um, the first mistake is people go into a market that's either too big or too small. And it's kind of a kid. We use the, the river metaphor again. It's sort of like you, you can't put your raft in a river that is too small, right? You can't put it in a little stream. Um, you're not going to go anywhere. But similarly, you also can't put your raft in the middle of a vast ocean because you're going to get swallowed up. Like it's just too big. So you got to find a market that's what we call within the sweet spot, the market sweet spot. Now, in this three-year research project in writing the book, one of the things that we analyzed was the keyword volume of every single one of the businesses that we've started and the keyword volume of every single one of my most successful students and students that failed. And what was fascinating, Tyler, is that we found that every single one of the successful businesses, the keyword volume, in terms of the number of people searching for that thing online, was all within a very specific narrow band. And in fact, when we discovered this, it was one of these things where we, a colleague of mine looked at each other and said, this, this, this can't be right. Like we couldn't believe it, right? And then we found it and it was market after market. Every single one of the successes fit within this narrow band. Every single one of the failures was either in a market way too big or too small. And one of the things that we debated for literally months was, were we gonna reveal what these keywords are? And so <laughs> we made the decision in the book to reveal exactly what those keywords are 
so you can take your keyword in your market, compare it against those benchmarks, and see where does your market fit. And we guide people through a process using a simple free tool called Google Trends. It's put out by Google, where Google mm -hmm. gives you the search keyword results, the keyword volume data, so how many people around the world are searching for a thing, um, and they give you this data dating back to 2004. So you can look, the market that you're thinking about going into, is it cyclical, does it go up and down? Is it trending up, is it trending down? Is it one of these fad markets like the Scrabble tile jewelry market where it goes up and then just drops off a cliff? Um, and how does that volume fit compared to the benchmark keywords that we share in the book? So that's the first big mistake, going into a market that's too big or too small. Similarly, mm -hmm. the second big mistake people make is they go into a market that either has too much or too little competition. There's two big mistakes I see people make here. One of them is people say, I've got this great idea. I've got this amazing idea. And so what do they do? They go online, they do research, and they say, crap, somebody else is already doing this. And then they you know, close their mind to the idea and they move on to something else. That's one of the mistakes people make. Second mistake that they make though is they have this great idea, they go online and they say, there's nobody doing this. Like I've struck gold, like I'm gonna get rich. This is amazing. And there's a phrase that one of my mentors passed along to me that always comes to mind and it's this, and I share this in the book. Pioneers get shot, but settlers get rich. If you look at the most iconic companies in our generation, companies like Google, Facebook, Apple, none of them were the first to market. If you look at Google, it wasn't the first search engine. Facebook was not the first social media platform. Apple wasn't the first to sell smartphones or MP3 players. They all found a market that was proven and they either built a better mousetrap or they did a better job with their marketing or a combination of those two things. So what you're looking for is a market that has just the right amount of competition, enough competition that's proven that the market exists, but not too much competition that you're gonna be eaten alive. And the way you measure competition, similar to measuring market size, is you use free tools online. And what you're looking for is you're looking to measure the amount of advertising spend online. You're looking to measure how many paid advertisers are already selling what it is that you're selling. If you have too many paid advertisers, it's too much competition, you don't wanna go into that market. If you have no paid advertisers, you wanna avoid that market. If you have too few paid advertisers, you also wanna avoid it. So there is once again a sweet spot, a market competition sweet spot. We looked at every single one of our markets, every single one of our successes, every single one of our failures, and found that the successes all fit within a narrow band. So when you look at these two things, figuring out the right market size, having the right amount of competition, finding a market that checks off these boxes on the five market must-haves and using seven tests that we teach in the book, it sets you up for success in your business as opposed to making that single biggest mistake, choosing a market that no matter how hard you row that boat is not gonna get you to where you wanna go. Yeah, man. Dude, I mean, nothing left I can ask because I want to know now too. So how can people, I'll let you have a, have a drink first. <laughs> how can people uh, grab a copy of the book? Well, yeah, man. So, you know, we wanted to do something special for your listeners and, and that's this. Um, we wanted to, I wanted to uh, uh, give people an opportunity to get a free hardcover copy of the book. I'll ship it anywhere in the world, no matter where they are. All we ask is that you pay a small shipping and handling fee to cover the cost of shipping to get that book in your hands. The book normally retails for $25, um, get it for just a few bucks. 
In addition to that, because I really wanted to make this a total no-brainer, and I know a lot of your listeners are the type of people who like to listen uh, uh, as opposed to necessarily just reading, we're also mm-hmm. gonna include over $200 in free bonuses, including a copy of the audiobook for free. So you can get access to the audiobook for free. Uh, we're also gonna include one of the bonuses that I'm pretty excited about, which is my top 25 most lucrative niches for 2019. So those seven tests that I shared that we go through in the book, I share 25 markets that pass every single one of those seven tests that you can use as a starting point to figure out what business to start. Um, we also have a, a free course that we include on uh, launching your business mindset. So there's 17 mental hacks I teach where um, uh, that help overcome all the things we face when we're starting a business. You know, um, fear of failure, analysis paralysis, um, kind of overcoming uh, self-doubt, Um, And so you get that for free, over $200 in free bonuses. Um, We have a special link that we set up just for your people to take advantage of this. Um, The link is choosethebook.com slash blast. So it's choosethebook.com forward slash blast. Perfect, man. And I'm a huge audiobook listener. So that that part of the deal, that's amazing. I love it. Awesome. Um, so just before we sign off, man, thank you again so much for coming on. So much good advice. Do you have any like final thoughts or any last piece of advice you'd like to give? Yeah, you know, it's it's something one of my mentors passed to me. It's something I share with every single one of our students, and it's this. Remember, when it comes to starting your business, figuring out what market to go into, launching your next thing, you don't have to get it perfect. You just have to get it going. And there's no better time to get it going than right here, right now, today. Awesome, man. Thank you again for coming on. Thanks, Tyler. Appreciate it, man.